0: Whether you call Brisbane home or are planning a trip to the River City, this is the podcast that will help you plan the ultimate Bluey day out. (laughs) This is the best of Brisbane for real life. This is Bluey's Brisbane with Justin and Lou.
1: This is the podcast that gets out and about and explores Brisbane, the real-life world of our favourite Healer family. And who better to explore Brisbane with than someone who's creating the sounds of Brisbane in Bluey Dan Brum. Welcome to the podcast today, mate.
2: Yeah, great to be here, guys.
1: Well, mate, you've been in the box seat since Bluey began. Um, Of course, your brother Joe, you know, is the creator of of Bluey. When did you first hear about, you know, this family of talking dogs that
2: he's got the idea for? Yeah, well, actually, um, God, it must have been either 2015 or 2016. He had an idea for a short little one-minute pilot um, about Bandit taking his kids to the park and Probably actually, it was this park here, and he's pushing him on a swing. And I don't know if that's ever surfaced on the internet, that little clip, but um, it's a funny little short of the dad and the two sort of young kids. And that I think piqued a bit of interest of um, Ludo, and then they could sort of push it. And eventually, we got the money to make the pilot, which was the weekend. Um, and that was probably 2016. And I I kind of knew it was going to be a pretty good show. It's like, I love that episode, The weekend. It's a little bit different, the version on TV now, but you could just tell that it was funny and warm and, yeah, it was kind of a lovely show.
1: Is, is it weird going into all the shops now and bluey stuff is everywhere and this is something that, you know, you and your brother worked on, you know, five years ago?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's like a phenomenon here in Australia now. It's, it's a bit of a spin out. Like you go and you just see things everywhere and you see people, kids in parks, wearing all the shirts and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's really funny to, to know that your brother created that and i work on the show. Um, it's been a real fun ride, I think, sort of just seeing the, the rise in popularity of the show since it aired in 2018, I think it was.
0: You voice Uncle Stripe. Yes. Should refer to you as welcome Uncle Stripe. <laughs> Is there art imitating life, imitating art with you joicing Uncle Stripe, yeah. little brother to bandit?
2: Uh, I think it absolutely is. Um,
0: Do you bring some of that to the character?
2: I try to bring it a bit. He's, he's got some pretty poor parenting choices, Stripe, and I sometimes wonder if that is a reflection of my own parenting skills. Uh, I've sort of always been Uncle Stripe to my cousins because I've got this weird grey stripe through my hair, so my brothers have always referred to me as Stripe. So it kind of is a bit of art imitating life in that regard, I think. Um, but he's a funny character to voice. It's it's always like I voice commercials and stuff professionally, but doing Stripe, it's like the most fun you ever have in a booth um, as a voiceover artist.
0: Nice. I want to talk to you about the episode Squash. Now, we kind of just adore Squash. So <laughs> seeing that is just like... That's actually a decade of Brisbane, sort of, for us. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Because there were squash courts in every suburb. You could go have a hit. They're less common now. So it was great Mm. to see that come back. But talk to us about the technicalities of how do you record all the sound effects for a squash game? Did you get into the um, court?
2: Yeah, I did. So I went down to um, the courts at Taylor Range there, near where I live, and um, I sort of booked a court out and I set up a microphone with my squash racket and, yeah, I hit a bunch of squash balls and... All the sort of wall impacts and glass door closes, and just those kind of iconic squash sounds. Um, because you sort of have to, because there's no squash libraries out there, and it's such an unmistakable sound like the squeak of the floors as you're running, and kind of the that really reverb reverb on the sort of on the hits and everything. Yeah,
0: it's got to be a squash ball, it can't be any other ball. No, that's right, and it's got to be a
2: squash racket hitting it, and yes, um. It was a really fun episode because then the challenge was, like, there's a lot of the game, squash in the episode. It was how do you then make it feel like a game of squash? So that was quite a challenge from a sound design point of view and uh, hopefully I achieved that goal. Like, I watch it and I feel like I'm sort of watching a game of squash even though it's two sweaty dogs on a, on a court. Um
0: We've all been there and smacked up against the glass, and then decide the, <laughs> yeah, the court. Right. You got those sounds. You nailed that. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that that, sh- that episode is that's definitely imitating life because I've got two brothers, um, Joe and Adam, and we played a lot of squash together. And when brothers are playing squash, it's like it's just it's just this brutal sport where there's absolutely no concern for anyone's safety. Um, and Joe just would always beat us. I don't know what it was. Like he just he just always would beat us. So I think that's where the genesis of the episode kind of came from. I think I did one game. I did literally just pull all stops out and I beat him at that one and I still kind of celebrate it. But, uh, yeah, the scoreboard is kind of greatly weighed in his favour, <laughs> I
0: think. We've had an expose on the squash background of yeah, the brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see the U.S. fans going mental for so many either Brisbane-centric things or Aussie-centric things. Like, you've been doing some recording here today. What's a Brisbane sound that you think you can only get around Brisbane?
2: Oh, it's a good question. I mean, there's such particular birds here in Brisbane, like from sort of the lorikeets in the afternoon to sort of the kookaburras in the morning. It's often how I mark time in the shelf. It's a sunset scene, I'll use lorikeets. If it's morning, I'll use kookaburras. Um, The kookaburras, funnily enough, it can make it sound a bit too exotic and a bit too jungle-like to sort of non-Brisbane locals um, who aren't used to such a strange-sounding bird like that. Um, But the more you sort of go to a park like this and really sort of listen out with your recorder... What you realize there's just so many birds around Brisbane and so many beautiful sounds yeah like that one they never make a sound when I get my recorder out they can be all morning they can be busy and as soon as I get my recorder out they'll go silent or a plane will go over or something like that um it's actually really hard to record in the suburbs like you think things are quiet but when you really go out there it's just always a plane going over or there's cars or the neighbors kind of washing up, or, Yelling at their kids or something like that. Um, so it's surprising how hard it is to even find a good 30 second sort of loop of audio. Yeah. It was really good during, um, funnily enough, during sort of the when COVID broke out last year because suddenly no one was driving to work and there was no planes. And so suburbia was just eerily quiet. So you could go out there and you could actually get a pretty decent record. Um, except all the kids were home from school for that first two weeks so they were kind of noisy out in their front yards. But um, it's kind of in the world, I think that was like the dream time for sound recorders everywhere because every city was just shut down. Um, you could get like genuine urban silence, um, yeah, which I tried to get a bit of.
0: How do you know what's a good nature sound versus a bad nature sound when it comes to designing sounds for a cartoon?
2: Yeah, well, it's actually funny. Um, the kind of the blessing and curse of Brisbane is that the suburbs, its there's such a rich bird life that it almost sounds unbelievable on screen. Uh, like I used to record off my back deck in Ashgrave here and um, where I used to live, and I almost can't use those sounds anymore because it sounds like I'm in the middle of the bush, which is a nice problem to have in suburbia, like you just at the front and there's just so many birds that it doesn't translate to suburbia on screen. So you've got to kind of, you've you've got to be careful. You can't be too real with the sounds you use because it just kind of, too many birds can sound a bit confusing on screen, I think. Um, but yeah, often I go to parks like this around sort of the Gap and Ash Grove and record little bits and pieces. Um, just because it's a fairly unmistakable sound like kids screaming and sort of squealing in a park like this and and then the kids are just in a park so much in the episodes playing on the playgrounds and you kind of need to capture those exact sounds because any parent anywhere knows what the sound of pushing a swing sounds like or sliding down monkey bars and so if you fake those things the show just doesn't work like it's got to be it's got to be believable this show The visuals are are kind of stylized, but sort of real. So my opinion and the director's opinion, the show needs to sound, I think the show needs to sound very grounded and down to earth. So if you sort of, if you're faking things like this, which parents have just lived and breathed, uh, and kids as well have lived and breathed it, then it's kind of, that believability kind of gets lost a little bit, I think.
0: Well, speaking of believability, chasing a bin chicken, like there's just kids that are, and he's managed to fly away. I've been watching one little kid run up a hill chasing one now. How do you get that sound, that gronk noise that they make? Yeah. It's so particular and specific. You can't yeah. fake that.
2: Yeah, they're absurd creatures. Uh,
0: You're very polite about bin chickens.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do fake some bird sounds. Um, sometimes it's actually me kind of doing a bird sound and I pitch it up. Uh Funnily enough, the, the ibis, it appeared in ice cream and it was actually squawking. And I remember thinking, how am I going to get the sound of an ibis squawking? And funnily enough, someone had actually recorded one and I had it in my library there. So that was kind of lucky because, yeah, you don't, you don't... I don't think you imitate that ugly honk of, a, of an ibis. That's probably not one thing that's, uh, that's going to work too well.
0: Can you settle a debate for us? You did some of the sound effects for Grandad beating yes. on canoes and it was down at the inaugural reservoir when the concept of grandad as an episode was come up with there's some very specific looking but stylized mountain ranges that's a lake of sorts we've got theories of what's been the inspo behind it can you tell us where the inspo is for that
2: i don't think i can actually I'm, i sort of always thought scenic rim way, but it might be too bushy I sort of like the idea of kind of central Queensland, like proper bush, but I, I don't know, to tell you the truth. It would have been... They would have... Because they've got a... Um, they've got someone they send out and photograph locations, so I'm sure it would have been somewhere, but all I just right. kind of wasn't privy to that one.
0: The search continues to yeah, confirm that. Sorry. That's been elusive. That's all right. <laughs> we'll still interview you. That's fine.
1: <laughs> we'll, find, we'll find an art director somewhere and put it to them. Um, so, Dan, take us back to your workflow. So you've talked a bit about you know, some of the sounds of Brisbane. Mm. So when do you come into the picture for an episode? Like, I assume you
2: can start getting an idea about sounds from the script. When, when do you arrive? Yeah, well, these days I do. I, re- I read the scripts um, when they're sort of first written and because uh, we record the characters. So I'll always read the scripts and just kind of start thinking ahead about locations. If it's a different location, I'll usually go out with my recorder like I've done today and kind of try and record those locations if possible and also other little bits of Foley like, you know, if it's a Chattermax or if it's something particular that they're using, I'll, I'll if I've got the time, I'll kind of go ahead and try and record that, whether it's in my home or something like that, so that when the week starts, because I've only got five days to do each episode and you've really got to hit the ground running so that you kind of do all the dialogue, but then the sound design process, you've kind of got as many assets as hopefully you need by the time that week starts. That's sort of the sound design process. And then around wednesday of the week i get the music from joff if he's on time um which at the start he always is but it's just such a hard job by the end of season he's kind of struggling over the finish line a bit um and that's it's like my favorite time of the week is you've sort of lived and breathed the episode with just sound and voice but then you hear the music and it just suddenly it just there's this emotional element that just lands on it um it's amazing when you first hear it, it like just brings the episode to life and you kind of, it takes it in a whole new direction. So that's sort of my favourite time of the week when you start mixing that in. And then uh, I send it to Charlie and, and Rich on the Thursday night and they kind of give me their notes and then Rich comes in, we really go through it on a Friday morning. And hopefully by the end of that, we've got a very close to finished episode. What's it like when you hear the music for the first time?
1: You know, something like, um, say, Sleepy Time, um, yeah like that was so emotional i think that's the only one that's really almost made me cry what's it like when you get a really emotional episode like that and then the music comes in you push the faders up and all of a sudden wow
2: yeah look i mean that's just such a big episode something i'd never heard that jupiter piece before either um it's just so perfect for that episode yeah same thing i just you get kind of chills watching that end scene um yeah, an episode like Bumpy and the Wise Old Wolfhound actually was it's one of my favourite episodes because, you know, I've had a kid that's a bit in and out of hospital. I think everyone's had a sick kid at some point. And so you feel that episode, like you know those emotions when Chili's kind of shedding a tear at the end there. And then that just that last music right as the sort of their video climaxes. It it's um yeah, it buddy gets you every time that episode. <laughs> It's lovely. Like, that's what I love about this show. It's like, it's so funny and it's so tight. It's just, it's so much emotion gets poured into it that, like, adults are crying and kids are crying. And it's like, well, it's such a pleasure each week to kind of, to be a part of that and play my role in it.
1: It's so authentic, I think. Like, um, I remember Joe saying, um, you know, he wanted to see kids and, and adults to see their lives reflected in the show. Yeah. And I think he's achieved that. Um So you're right, there is so so much emotion. But what about something like um, Dad Baby? Because I actually reckon that that episode is one of the funniest, like forget kids shows. I think that's one of the funniest sort of, you know, um, pieces of comedy that's been on Australian TV.
2: Yeah. I know. um, I just remember cutting that episode just going, surely they can't get away with this. Um, Yeah, it's great. The amount of times I've worked on an episode and just gone, this is... Kids' TV, sort of in inverted commas, because it's it's um it's just so appealing to adults, and it's obviously appealing to children as well. It, it um it's kind of a show for everyone, really. It's so well done.
0: Dan, when you're talking about what's a Brisbane sound, thinking about our US listeners, I mean, after we get through pandemics and so forth, there's a lot of interest in coming to check out this place of what is Bluey's Brisbane. Mm. Where do you think they should go in Brisbane to get that sort of bluey experience of the sounds of this city?
2: It's a good question. Uh, I can only really speak of what I know of the place, but I just, I think the Gap and Ashgrove, it's, it's such a beautiful suburb from green trees and backgrounds and just the bird life and stuff like that. Um, I mean, Paddington, I, I think Paddington is kind of where it's visually based. I think there's a lot of debate about that, but the sort of the hills of Red Hill and the TV towers in the background. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does. It goes down to Orley Park in one episode, and I love Orley Park. The same thing, you've got the city cats there and the people cooking barbecues.
0: And, like, when you're talking about The Gap, I think, me, I've had in-laws that we've been visiting for 25 years out there no one's mentioned the resi and inaugural reservoir ever so you've all got some secret society protecting your resi (laughs) but uh like that's i think one of the most um underrated spots here in brisbane and it's a bit of a gateway as well to things like mount nebo and mount glorious is that something you'd really recommend if you're coming um all the way here to brisbane from overseas make the effort to go and explore those sort of spots
2: Yeah totally. Um, I should make the effort myself actually. I've only sort of been down a handful of times but it's lovely there. I'd love to get a canoe out and kind of go canoeing on the lakes there. Um, There's good walking trails as well. I think you kind of spoil for choice like around here in Barden and Ashgrave and the Gap there's so many kind of bushland walking trails which will take you up to Mount Cuther and even like Newmarket you walk into the Bank Street Reserve and sort what I love about this place. You're in suburbia and then you take a quick little bushwalk and you're just literally in the middle of the bush and you're surrounded by the bird noise and and yet you're only kind of five, six kilometres away from the city.
0: Um, and they're all interconnected. And it's our little version of what's exotic to Brisbane because you don't get this in any other city really in Australia. These not this inter- close, close to the, the centre anyway, yeah, you think, past. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, they're more genteel almost Englishy sort of parks where it's very much parkland with a few trees, made the daffodils come up, that kind of Melbourne experience. Look,
2: come to Australia purely for the Ibis. (laughs) Come to Brisbane, rather, purely (laughs) for the Ibis. Um,
0: Our exotic bin chickens. Yeah, chase one around a
2: park for a little while. (laughs) It should be the Brisbane tourism. Come and chase the Ibis.
0: (laughs) You're onto something there. That's a money spinner.
1: (laughs) Well, mate, thank you so much for having a chat to us. Just before we let you go, any chance we could get... Your best uncle, Stripe. (laughs) No worries. It's going to
2: sound weird.
0: Stop fast!
1: (laughs) My ears have blown up. That's awesome. Thanks, mate.
2: Yeah, no worries at all. Great to chat to you guys. You've
0: been listening to Bluey's Brisbane. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at Bluey's Brisbane.